Hello and welcome back to the College Baseball Central podcast. I'm your host, Joe Healy, publisher and editor of collegebaseballcentral.com. Today we're going to be joined by Jacob Kopnick of the Michigan Daily. The Michigan Daily is the student-run newspaper at the University of Michigan. You know, and I found traveling to all these college baseball games and because so often the college beat writer at the major newspapers or even the, the local town newspapers where these colleges are located, baseball is often a small or non-existent part of their beat. And so oftentimes some of the, the best writing you see on college baseball locally is done from the, the student organizations and the Michigan Daily is certainly a great example of that. They uh, you know, really did a fantastic job covering Michigan in 2018 and, and of course prior to that, but in 2018 they had reporters at away games, not just home games. That's pretty unique. They had not one but two reporters at the Big Ten tournament. That's how I got to know Jacob, spending some time in the press box with him at uh, TD Ameritrade Park for that event. So looking forward to talking to Jacob about Michigan Wolverines in 2018 and then looking forward to 2019. And 2018, kind of a strange season for Michigan. They had really tough start to the season, bounced back. Uh, and came pretty close to getting into a regional. So we'll talk about how to characterize that kind of season that was uh, kind of a roller coaster for the program. And we'll also look ahead to what could be a pretty exciting 2019 season for the Wolverines in Ann Arbor. So a lot of stuff to get to with Jacob. Let's jump right in. All right, as promised, we are joined by Jacob Kopnick of the Michigan Daily. It's a student newspaper for the University of Michigan. We're going to talk Michigan Wolverines baseball and uh, pretty eventful 2018 for Michigan. We'll certainly talk about that with Jacob. It was a a tough start to the season, followed by Michigan becoming one of the hottest teams in college baseball, which put them right back in the postseason mix. And ultimately, felt like they just maybe kind of ran out of gas a little bit as they got into the tougher part of their Big Ten schedule. Ended up missing the postseason in the end. Uh, but 2019 is looking like a pretty exciting season in Ann Arbor. Looks like Michigan might be able to uh, be a team to compete for the league title once again. So a lot of stuff to talk to with Jacob. Let's get right in. Jacob, I appreciate you joining us today. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on, Joe. It's good to talk. Good to talk Michigan baseball. How would you characterize Michigan's 2018 season? Like I said, it was, it was kind of a roller coaster. I mean, it got off to such a, a poor start. I mean, there was obviously that, you know, loss to Lawrence Tech that got a lot of pub, you know, an NAIA team. Uh, but then they caught fire and then ultimately kind of ended up maybe where it was expected to end up, a team that was good, but just maybe not quite good enough to be a postseason team and really setting up for 2019. So how would you Kind of how would you characterize the season that was when you consider so much happened, but maybe they ended up being what you expected? Yeah, no, I think roller coaster is exactly right in that case. I and mean, they were, I mean, they did really kind of average out with their kind of, you know, how they're, how they were playing, you know, what was kind of expected of the team. I think that's a, you know, a very accurate assessment. I mean, we started out the, or they started out the season, Michigan started out the season there. And um, yeah, just, it couldn't have gone really any worse. Like they, the, that guy, I, I kind of find myself frequently talking about like this blistering kind of California road trip they had to start the season. They like won only like one game against, you know, or they like won one or two games. Um, they lost like a big series against Stanford, obviously like a really good opponent there. Um, but yeah, like that, that just, it kind of seemed like a sign of the times. Like it was going to be, you know, it was going to be a big real rebuilding season. I mean, they lost a ton of talent the year before. Had like a like a program record, um, like eleven draft picks, I think that year. Um, and so it was really about kind of filling the gaps in the years, kind of laying that foundation. Would seem to be kind of like the name of the game, but at the same time, um, you could tell a lot of the early mistakes were probably due to youth, like inexperience in college ball, and like not maybe maybe these younger guys not seeing you know, not getting as much reps and and seeing the kind of talent that they had been seeing, because um, they were just making sloppy mistakes. They weren't collecting outs on a bunt. They were like just pretty bad kind of mis- miscommunication there in the early 
in the early parts of the season. And then, I mean, then they really kind of exploded on the scene. Um, and that was obviously due a lot, uh, due in large part to their freshmen. And that, and that really, I think, you know, um, the team kind of lived and died with the uh, productivity of their freshmen. And I mean, so, I mean, uh, it's a good thing for based on like the youth, based on the youth, you have a lot more years to kind of develop those guys and you have a lot, a lot more years with those guys in your program, um, which would be great uh, for the team. But at the same time, you know, the, the lows are low. I mean, the highs are really high and the lows are really low. So, I mean, they rattled off that incredible run. Um, I would say large part due to the, the kind of the, um, the ascent of the two big names I think of when you're thinking of freshmen that really rose to the occasion were freshman Jesse Franklin, um, first baseman, ended up lead, leading the league in home runs, like extra base hits, like all, all a bunch of big kind of power uh, power hitting stats. And then Jordan Wogu, he was um, another one, a big kind of power hitter, uh, really athletic guy out in left field. Um, and they they moved, they played him around in a few different spots, left field, like DH, that kind of thing. But yeah, a lot, of, and then a lot of the kind of the freshman arms in you know out of the bullpen, or even one of them kind of Benjamin, he's taking his way into the rotation, the starting rotation. So yeah, when, once those guys figured it out, it was all you know it was, it was a lot better there. But then yeah, I think they just you know I think it was, they ran out of steam, and I think it's probably a, a fair assessment. I mean, baseball is also an incredibly fickle game. Like they had a few games where where it, they, you know, there was a, probably could have gone either way or. Sometimes they were just kind of, you know, just straight about playing or, or were just really tired from how many games they were playing late into the season. But, you know, I think fatigue, running out of steam, yeah, I think those absolutely were probably the biggest factors. And then, so, yeah, I mean, it was it was about to be expected, but when you kind of go through those roller coasters, it's a little more, um, I'm sure it hurt a little more for that team when it's, you know, when you see the potential with the, with the talent you have and then just kind of it's all come crashing down at the end there. It has to be more heartbreaking and, and heartbreaking you know, could, uh, as we were seeing that with the football team, obviously can, can lead to a big, you know, resurgence there and a big, uh, you know, an inspiration to do, uh, to do well the next season. So what specifically, I don't know if, you know, when, in conversations you had with Eric Backage throughout the season, um, I'm sure it came up. I mean, what were the things that kind of were the catalyst for the team turning things around? I mean, some of it you alluded to is just, you know, you, you had a lot of youth on the team and then, you know, after a month of the season, they're not quite as young anymore. And they, they kind of know what to expect at the D1 level. And you start playing home games and things like that. So how much of it was that? And how much was it something else maybe that, that you, you learned or gleaned throughout the season? Yeah, um, I think the absolute biggest thing, if you can really boil it down to one event, was that loss to Lawrence Tech. I mean, you you mentioned that earlier. That was brutal. That was I package repeatedly kind of refer to that as the worst loss in program history. So that really was like saying something. It was an NAIA team, not even division one. And it was an incredibly new program. It was like the third year or something as, as a program in collegiate baseball. And so that was, and, and to be at home, it was like one of their first home games, first like two or three home games. And they just got embarrassed. It was like, it was, wasn't even particularly close at any point. Um, yeah. So that was a real wake up call for this team. Um, to kind of, you know, get things going. It was one of those things, you know, you kind of never really want to feel that ever again. Um, so yeah, no. And then from there, like literally after that game, that was, they rattled off 20, 21 straight wins. Um, so that I think if you can really boil it down to one moment, I mean, the, the, the West coast trip was disappointing. Um, but there were still some positives. I mean, they, they, I mean, they, uh, beat, Stan- they, uh, pulled a win away from Stanford and, and kept that third game really close. So that, that series was kind of up in the air, but then, uh, I mean, but, you know, Stanford obviously was a more dominant team, but um, yeah, but then that, to come back home, think you have that home, you know, that home field advantage in your hand, get embarrassed by Lawrence Tech, and then, yeah, that that, was, that had to have done it. And then, so, 
and then so I think some of the you know the talent just kind of caught up from there. Who did I mean throughout the season? You know, it was part of the fun of watching Michigan baseball in 2018, at least for me, as you kind of started to see the team click a little bit. Was there were a lot of those fun young players that, that we've kind of alluded to. Who did you have the most fun watching? Just seeing them develop, seeing them start to get it. You know, who had you excited whenever they came to the plate or, or stepped on the mound? Right. Um, okay. So in terms of offensive players or just uh, non-pitching players, I guess um, I would. Jesse Franklin's got to be top of that list. Um, you, you kind of like once he started figuring it out, he went on a real run there in, in their home and their winning and their winning uh, streak. Where every time you thought he was going, he was going yard. Every time you thought he was you know, swinging for the fences or getting an extra base hit, he just pre his productivity seemed to be kind of off the charts there. Um, his yeah, you know, his slugging percentage was really up there. So he he was always really really exciting to watch. Um, and then another one I would say who really kind of came into his own there was uh, that short, shortstop Jack Wombrit. Um He um, had a rough time uh, hitting kind of uh, for the first half of the season, kind of most of the season, you know, batting kind of end of the order, but he still managed to get, you know, kind of pump out quality at bats, really starting to find a swing um, in, the, in, the, in the postseason a bit in the Big Ten tournament and, and the latter parts of the season. But defensively, that was where this kid really shines. Um, struggling a little bit. He kind of had, he was committing a few kind of uncharacteristic errors at the beginning of the season. And then, and then once they started coming home and getting in that win streak, you just saw a lot of great plays. Um, a lot of kind of web gem, like barehanded throws off some infield chopper type stuff. So he was always really electric to see, you know, uh, in the infield. Um, so I think those two guys, uh, we're also we're all really excited to watch Jonathan Engelman, another one, another great batter, very very consistent um, in the lineup. Uh, and then I think on the mound, um, uh, Carl Kaufman and Ben Dragani come to mind. Um, Kaufman, kind of a strikeout machine there. Uh, you know, maybe prone to give up some hits and kind of maybe the, the middle, like a few first couple innings, but then um, yeah, he, he his strikeout numbers were always really really uh, exciting to see. Um, and someone who views the program, and then Ben Dragani, he has kind of ascent um, through the order. You know, started as a reliever. This is the first time really in this kid's career, he starts as a reliever, um, and then really just and then just grinds it out, works his way up, and then uh, takes advantage of some injuries to it was seen last year senior right-hander uh, Alec Renard, and so um, he ended up going down with an injury, and so and Drew Gani rose to the occasion, became the Saturday starter, but actually, unfortunately, this no this news kind of you know has been trickling through the media, but. Um, yeah, Ben Dragani ended up. I think he was playing wherever he was playing summer ball. Ended up having to have Tommy John, so he he'll he will end up missing this campaign. But he's still a young talent, so they'll have him for you know at least another year or two after after he returns. So I mean that'll be a, that'll be a huge loss for the rotation, but they're filling it in with a lot of uh, young guys developing. So, but I mean him on the mound that was pretty electric to see him. He would go deep in the games. He was uh, you know came out of nowhere, Gatorade Player of the Year in Wisconsin, highly talented recruit, and so he was yeah he was great to see on the mound. One of the things that really stuck with me from uh, Michigan's time at the Big Ten tournament, even though it was fairly short, they you know eliminated after three games, uh, was Eric Backage at the end of that uh, the press conference when they were eliminated, and, and he mentioned that he was realistic about Michigan's chances for getting an at-large bid. I think at that point he was more or less resigned to the fact that it, it wasn't going to happen. They were just too far down the pecking order. Um, but he said, we're still going to gather as a team to watch the selection show because that's a tradition we have and we want to continue that. And furthermore, and I'm paraphrasing, but you know, furthermore, I want these guys to feel what it's like to get left out because for these guys on the team right now, that's the last time they're ever going to feel mm-hmm. that. 
And that was, oh, yeah. he, there was a lot of conviction there. And so, you know, I kind of wondered, I think what he's getting at a little bit, and I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on is the idea that, you know, this 2018 team, you're always disappointed when you miss the postseason. I, I, I'm not for a second suggesting that these guys were, were happy to miss out. They wanted to play in a regional, but at the same time, when you have a chance to take a step back, I mean, uh, do you feel like there's a lot of positive and maybe missing the postseason because this team's already talented and now on top of that, uh, you know, maybe they've got a little extra motivation that, that uh, they're not going to let this happen again, whether it be 2019, 2020, 2021. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. I mean, and that, and that quotes it all. I think that, that was my favorite quote of the whole season of like covering the team that whole year. I mean, back back it's kind of loves his superlatives there talking about worst loss program history you know that kind of thing we're definitely rebuilding we thought we could retool not rebuild this is definitely rebuild you know like to speak in these kind of grand superlatives and that kind of all finished with um with uh you know that kind of final that final presser there and so i mean he was he was very humbled i mean he very humbled kind of throughout that last loss you know he was very you know somber about or i mean very modest and saying you know i feel like you know these things you have to you have to earn them we just just didn't earn that man. Like he was very cognizant of reality um, in that, in that scenario. And then he kind of, yeah. And then I, I was pretty struck by that, you know, by that quote there, you know, that's the last time I wanted him to feel that. So, and I really think um, that was carried, uh, that sentiment's carried by the team as well. I think, I think these guys are hungry. I think they are absolutely, you know, kind of starved of a, of a postseason appearance here that where, where they can, you know, make it. I mean, they've had some disappointing finishes, you know, historically, I mean, kind of under backage. Um, they had, you know, two years ago, it looked like they had a really good shot and then they ended up getting bounced in the regional as well. So, I mean, it's, um, yeah, no, these I think that definitely was a catalyst was kind of losing out and it was, and they were all like, and they were all close games too. So it, it's, you you tell these guys were really wanting it, like digging in there. You, you just kind of had a feeling every time they were taking the extras, you know, these guys are giving it everything they had. I mean, they won first game of the big 10 tournament when they won an extras against Iowa. Um, so yeah, they, they had won off, the same type plays a few times throughout the season, these, you know, taking extras and then they just play the play. They stick to their style of baseball. They would, you know, go for, you know, get a guy on base, you know, maybe probably bump, get a final way of getting him the scoring position, sack flying back home. That was, I mean, there was a way of kind of sticking true to their identity and, um, and staying in, in these, in these dog fights late in the innings. And so, um, yeah, I really think that has led to them wanting, you know, wanting to kind of cross that threshold and, and, and get into the next level, you know, of, of, of of the postseason and just as a program. Obviously, with so much of the 2018 team coming back for 2019, there's a, there's a lot known about the, about this team. But with that being said, is there anybody who stands out from last year's team that maybe you know didn't get the innings they wanted or didn't get as many at bats as maybe they would have wanted that stands out as someone who you think could take a step forward and be a major contributor in 2019? In terms of at bats. Um... I think a little bit. I think uh, to start the season, uh, Dominic, Dominic Clemente wasn't getting. I think it was maybe a little bit of injury, but uh, he wasn't. He wasn't really seeing the lineup as, as as much as he, I think, would have liked. Um, but yeah, but at the end of the season, he really caught fire. So I think he's going to be a centerpiece of their offense. He'll be, a, you know, looking at probably that uh, two to four spot um, in the lineup pretty solidly. You know, week in and week out. So. I mean, maybe is it someone uh, he'll like, be great. I, not, not to interrupt you, I mean, maybe is it someone like, you mentioned Jack Blomgren, I mean, maybe he, is he a guy that maybe puts it together and he's got the defensive part of it, and you, you mentioned some of his struggles at the plate, maybe is it a situation where 2019 is the year he, he puts it all together, is he maybe that guy? I think so, I think we could see him climbing up the, uh, climbing up the batting order a little bit, I mean, he, uh, he's, 
Or they, or they could, you know, kind of strategically, keep, strategically kind of keep them down there, so you can, yeah, you can have a guy at the bottom of the order who can really round things out, get him on base, and and kind of set things up for your top of the order. But yeah, no, absolutely, I think he, um, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, not not a phenomenal power hitter by any means, but he um, had a really, you know, had some great, you know, kind of at uh, at bats, ABs at the kind of the end of the season, the latter part there. So I mean, we kind of saw him starting to put it together at the end. But um, yeah, I think that's, I mean. That's definitely one of the things you know we're going to be looking out for uh, this next season. Up will be Jack. Well, yeah, will be Jack's performance to the team or contribution. So, yeah, certainly someone. I mean, he you know fifty two starts, so he certainly he doesn't fit the bill of I guess my original question, which was someone who's been who's been blocked a little bit, but uh, but but maybe someone who can take a step forward. Another guy I've heard it a little bit is Joe Donovan. I mean, you're going to have um, you know some at bats to be had. You know, uh, maybe at the catching position, they used a couple of different guys last year, so maybe it's a situation where. Uh, you know, he's a guy who breaks through a little bit. So there's always, uh, you know, even with a team where things are settled, um, you know, it seems like there's always, you know, one or two positions where uh, somebody you maybe weren't expecting or somebody who whose name you don't know uh, steps forward and ends up having having a big year. So um, I, right. imagine, Joe, I imagine yeah, there Joe will be... Definitely, Joe definitely will be that guy that, that this year. The, the Coming into the season, the catcher was the biggest one. They kind of had question marks around. They didn't know if they were going to go with, uh, Brock Keener, who they ended up going with, or Marcus Chavez, or uh, or Joe Donovan were the the big three names kind of touted. But yeah, Joe, look look for Joe to step up into that catching position. I think he's the perfect uh, guy that kind of fits into the mold of your question there. He um, yeah, I mean he's he's the kid's been you know frankly been balling in fall ball already. He has like I think seven RBIs through the couple games that they've played in fall ball. So and, and he's been really providing stability um to that um that catching position. So yeah, that'll be the guy that. Wasn't a name we really ever heard. He played a little bit um, this, to the start of the season, but really took a backseat to Keener and then uh, Harrison Salter. Um, but um, so, yeah, look for look for uh, Joe Donovan. Yeah, definitely one of those names. So we'll wrap up, as we always do, with our uh, local food recommendation segment. And, and this will be an interesting perspective because so many of my guests are uh, just a different demographic. You know, I don't usually have students on, um, on the podcast. So this will be a little interesting perspective. I'm usually getting the perspective of someone who's you know, well-established professionally, someone who's, you know, at the, at the very least in their mid to late twenties mm-hmm. and oftentimes, um, you know, in their thirties or forties. So this will be a little bit different. So that'll be kind of cool. So the introduction I give everyone for this segment is don't worry about logistics. Don't worry about, well, this place is really crowded on certain nights, so it's tough to get in, or this place has weird hours. So you have to get there before a certain time. Like, don't, don't worry about any of that. Let's just focus on the food. So some, if someone's in you know, Ann Arbor, where would you recommend uh, they go to get a bite to eat? Yeah, so I mean, great thing about Ann Arbor—it's a college town. A lot of great, a lot of great food options, um, and there's definitely different tiers of options. You have, you know, kind of the one tailored kind of more towards the undergrads, or or the, and then like you have the the, the professionals. But, but I mean, a uh, couple of great spots if you're, I mean, parents are coming into town. If you're a student here, you know, places you got to take them. Um, I think for most people in Ann Arbor, Saba is definitely kind of is up there on that list. Um, locally, all kind of like locally sourced food, really great stuff. They have in like an unbelievable kind of, um, like they're famous for their brunch, uh, kind of selection. So they, and they, and they have great sandwiches. Um, so yeah, that, that, that place is always phenomenal. Um, otherwise Zingerman's is another kind of Ann Arbor institution here. It's, um, at a phenomenal deli, amazing, like pastrami corned beef type sandwiches, as well as they kind of have like their, um, kind of side restaurants as well. Like the Zingerman Roadhouse has like an unbelievable burger and like, and barbecue. So those in terms of uh ann arbor institutions you really can't go wrong with stavas or uh or zingerman's there but yeah no that's 
those are yeah, those are more geared towards uh, just get done with an exam or parents are in town type uh, type deals. Yeah, fantastic recommendations there. I mean, it's a good. Uh, I, I appreciate that you put it kind of in the the context of you know your parents are in town, you got to take your parents out because oh totally, uh, we've all been there. Anyone who's been, <laughs> anyone who's you know had the college <laughs> experience knows knows how that goes. So yeah, it's fantastic. Ann Arbor, a, a great college town, and hey, the you know one of the best parts about. Uh, being a Michigan baseball fan, if you're going to baseball games late in the season, you know, Big Ten games in April and May, is that you don't have to worry about the snow. Jacob and I started our call before mm-hmm. we started recording talking about snow because that's life in the Midwest. We both got snow overnight, uh, so we've been trucking around in the uh, the snow all day. So it's, we're, we're a little bit sour. Right. That, but you yeah, don't have to worry about that later in, later in the baseball season. So that's the fantastic part about it. But uh, right. I want to thank our guest, They're Jacob. They're still outside oh, practicing now. In the snow? Oh yeah, that's uh, that's Baggage's rule is um, if it's if it's over zero degrees, they're outside practicing. So uh, that's okay, yeah, enough. they're pretty they're pretty into the the snow. I I if they had it their way, they'd probably be playing baseball games in the snow up here. Yeah, fair. Well, that would certainly be a home field advantage. You get the you know those upper yeah, mid, right. upper Midwest kids and get some of these uh, teams from the deep south to come up and play a series in the in the fall or the winter. That would uh, be quite right. the home field <laughs> home field advantage. The fans maybe not so much, <laughs> but uh, the players you're, you're probably right. So. Uh, yeah, um, right. I want to thank our guest, Jacob Kopnick, for joining us again today. Once again, Jacob with the Michigan Daily. Fantastic work from uh, from that whole staff there. I was you know, really impressed with their coverage uh, throughout the baseball season. I'm sure if you're more of a Michigan basketball or football or the other sports, if you're more a fan of those programs, uh, the work just is uh, just as quality. Uh, you know, not just the home games on the baseball side, also had guys at, at road games, then not one but two reporters uh, at the Big Ten tournament in Omaha, which was uh, really impressive to me, and they, and they put out quality work all week. So uh, check that work out at michigandaily.com. Uh, Jacob, I really appreciate you joining us today. Yeah, man, thanks for having me on. It's uh, always great to talk, uh, talk, talk some shop. Our thanks once again to Jacob Kopnick of the Michigan Daily for joining us today. Once again, check out all of his fine work and that of his colleagues at michigandaily.com and follow the Michigan Daily on Twitter at michigandaily. That'll do it for this edition of the College Baseball Central podcast. Head on over to collegebaseballcentral.com for all of our continuing coverage of the college baseball offseason. For one, of course, that means we'll have a whole lot more podcasts coming your way as we take you all the way up to opening day of the 2019 season, which uh, don't look now, but uh, is inching ever closer to us. You know, once we get past the, we're getting into the holidays here. Once we get past the holidays and start looking at the new year, that's when preview content starts heading your way. So a little ways to go still, but but certainly coming uh, coming quickly. Of course, we'll also have some features up on the site from time to time, so be sure to check back to collegebaseballcentral.com uh, to check out those as well. You can follow me on Twitter at JoeOnSports. That's Joe underscore on underscore sports. You can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and the TuneIn app. And no matter where you listen to our show first, be sure you're subscribed and do so if you aren't already. But also consider leaving us a rating and review. As we continue to try to grow the show, your positive ratings and reviews are crucial as we try to climb those recommended podcast lists. Finally, you can get in touch with the show via email at collegebaseballcentralpodcast at gmail.com. Once again, that's collegebaseballcentralpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for listening, everyone.